All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 239, I think, of the Kiss wow. FAQ podcast. Something like that, anyway. Um, wow, indeed. Yeah, I never would have thought. Um, so today, it's just me and Original. You're one of the Originals. The very first I was show. on the very first one, yeah. Yeah, with Daniel and Alex, wasn't it? So right. Going way, way back. I mean, that's five years ago. That's absolutely incredible. I never thought, number one, never wanted to do a podcast, but now I am. I think uh, 200 and something episodes later, I think I'm starting to feel comfortable with this whole process. Anyway, Nigel, good to see you again. Good to see you. It feels like just last week we were in New York. Um, but Feels before, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. B- before we, we go and talk about Madison Square Garden, anything new in your collection? Because we usually do that kind of segment when some of us have some new stuff. And I'm just looking around here to see if I haven't opened my mail yet. But I'm waiting for all my things to arrive from uh, New York still expected tomorrow. What about you? you were smart enough to uh, send some stuff back. Those exclusive posters, I wanted to buy one. And uh, since I only brought a backpack with me, I thought oh, there's no way I can get this home without getting it damaged. So it wasn't until after they had sold out that I realized you had sent your stuff from a UPS store about 500 feet from the venue. So <laughs> I that felt w- pretty stupid. That was perfect. Uh, they only had a couple of poster tubes left, and I did not even know about that uh, exclusive. So I, I, I must be not paying attention to the right stuff. Fortunately, Andrew texted me and said, hey, can you pick me up one? I'm like, what? He's like, this is limited edition uh, litho. I'm like, okay, cool. And fortunately, uh, the merch line I got in, they didn't even know what they were. They weren't really displayed in any way. And so I was like telling people, I had a few. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. I had a few <laughs> beers. I was like, get one of those. There's only 350 of them. And they were actually rationing them at the booth I went to. Um, so I was only able to buy two, or I would have bought an extra one to give away on the show, or maybe chuck up on eBay to see what it is. And I, I see it that a lot of them have ended up on eBay uh, with some filthy amounts, and it looks like they weren't rationed at every booth. So mm-hmm. you know, they, they look good, and I'm really happy that they did something special for the event. But let's get back to uh, anything new to add into your collection. One quick question. Uh, how were those able to be rolled up? Because I never actually held one. So it looked like it was pretty thick cardstock. It was. It was pretty thick cardstock. Now, what I did with Andrews um, was they had a three-inch heavy-duty tube. So mm-hmm. able, able to roll that without any crinkles or anything. Gotcha. Not ideal. Would have been better to have shipped flat. Uh, would be preferable. But uh, under the time limitations and whatnot, I had to jam mine into a two-and-a-half-inch tube. So that may well need a little bit of flattening before i get it framed and i didn't even know that they were numbered um so no me either I, I me either know. i, I didn't know. realize they were limited numbered or anything i saw them there i said that's cool um but i want to get a shirt too i should have bought the poster because now the shirts are on on kiss online so and i didn't oh well. see the shirts and, and i didn't yeah. know about that so i was really pleased that number one at most of the shows i've been to so far um, they haven't had my preferred size shirt because these shrink. I've wanted to get triple X's because they'll come down to between 
you know, XL and double XL, which is more what I prefer to wear. This time it was the first event shirt that I've managed to get as a triple at a at a show. So maybe they're re uh, doing their their ordering of these shirts mm-hmm. for their bigger boned fans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're fat. All right, so uh, incoming mail then. Yeah. So when I got back from, hold on, my earpiece just popped out. Technical difficulties. When I got back from uh, New York, I had two albums waiting for me. Uh, one, which I'm sure everyone has seen, is the Kiss World. And I opted for the colored vinyl version. That I want to uh, see, because that seems to have a great deal of uh, spectrum. Oh, that one's a good one. That is yeah, nice. They all look pretty good. Reminds me of the unmasked Mexican issue. Oh, you're right. You're right. They all look... I mean. My only issue with this was if you look at the cover, number one, it's very odd that Tommy and Eric are on the top when there were some preview shots of the album that actually had Gene and Paul on top. So I wasn't sure what version was actually going to show up once the album was pressed. Uh, and then number two, if you look at Gene and Paul, especially on the cover, they're, they look like a blown up JPEG. They're real, real uh, uh, pixelated. Mm. So I'm a little disappointed that they didn't opt for a... But it looks like they just blew up the CD cover, which was a little disappointing. But, you know, I'm not too thrilled with the cover as is, but the vinyl, uh, colored vinyl is what made me pick it up. Because, okay, okay, you know, that sort of makes up for the lack of quality control on the cover, in yeah. my opinion. I've ordered one. I can't remember which it is, so I'm expecting one to arrive. I hope I ordered the yellow. But um, did it have a hype sticker on the cover Mm-mm. saying that it was yellow vinyl? No, no sticker or anything. It actually has a like the Destroyer and the Rock and Roll Over. Uh, it has a color uh, UPC on the back uh, that indicates it's limited edition. Let me see if I have that. Um, oh, here it is. So there's one of those. Okay, yeah. One of those stickers. So, but of course, because it's a gatefold, I had to take off the the shrink in order to open the gatefold up. But, and then my second. But so, now, now you'll have hours of entertainment trying to get the shrink back back on. Oh, absolutely. Well, I'll just pull a gore and reseal everything. <laughs> <laughs> pull a gore. That's going to be in the dictionary one day. The, the, you've been gored. So I was looking through eBay auctions. I uh, pulled up this guy who had. Uh, Ace album, and he had a photo, very hazy uh, photo of the label, and it is indeed uh, a 77, or I'm sorry, a 78 uh, Casablanca just without Ace's face on the label. Nice. So, as far as I know, I think they ran out of the custom labels, so they just started pressing them on uh, just the stock labels until they got uh, replenished with the custom labels. Thank God this thing arrived be- in good shape because the dude sent it in one of those padded mailers. Oh no! That when you cut it open, all that stuff flies out. Yep. I can't remember what that's called, what that style's called, but I actually took it outside to cut it open because I've had bad experiences with that in the past where I rip it open and just paper and that little cotton ball stuff just flies yeah, everywhere. Yeah, it's like fiberglass as well. So I'm gonna send him a message. I think he's new to selling online because uh, that's how he came across to me, but I'm going to say, dude, I mean, in the future, you might want to get padded mailer or not padded mailers, uh, vinyl cases for these to send them out in because you're going to send something valuable out in a padded mailer and someone's going to be really, really upset <laughs> when they get it. So 
Well, that, that's you know, one of the things. Learn. Yeah, I won an auction today, and so I'm going to have to wait for this one, but I'm very excited. Portuguese Elder. Um, mm. So it is uh, gatefold, non-gatefold, pardon me, with a printed inner dust sleeve, similar to Norway. So color, not uh, anything like the U.S., and I believe it's the original track sequence mix. Um, so one of the few... Obviously, there are some American ones that float around with that. Uh, so very, mm-hmm. very happy about that. I do, you know, I, I keep saying I've quit collecting, but there's always something that I see. I'm like, I'm going to try for that or I'm going to try for that. And, you know, that got a, a, an extremely good price. So hope it's packed properly and makes it here safely. Um, it's a shame that these days we have to kind of ask people, uh, would you mind packaging that properly? But oh, um, yeah. I, I think most people would not be offended. I mean, I, I've just sold some stuff and I've been kind of feeling a little bit harassed by some of the stuff coming from the buyer. But I also get it that they want to know where their stuff is. They, you know, they want to know that it's on its way, et cetera, et cetera. So as a seller, don't get offended when people ask you to pack something properly because they're your customer, number one, and you, you do want to keep them happy. And if they really annoy you, just block them. <laughs> get get the deal done, make them happy, and then don't let them buy anything else in future. Well, That's usually what I do to deal with the really difficult ones. It all depends on, too, how you ask. You know, I, I always send – if it's something that's very, you know, rare or sought after, I'll send them a message. And basically just ask very nicely to just please pack so the corners are protected. I always, that's my key word. I say, make sure the corners are protected. So I always say the post office is brutal. So I trust you, but I don't trust the post office. Yeah. And usually that's, that's met with a pretty, pretty decent response. I haven't really had anybody get mad about that. So thankfully. Yeah, that's good then. Well, let's get on to talking a little bit about uh, New York City, Madison Square Garden, the holy electric cathedral of, uh, Christianity, shall we say? Mm-hmm. That, that's a real my mouthful. first time there. Was it your first time at the Madison Square Garden, or your first time in New York? My first time Madison Square Garden. I've I've come out of the Penn Station a couple times, and I walk by the garden because it's right next to it. And every time I say, one day I'm going to go to a show there, and hopefully it'll be a Kiss show. So I didn't have too many opportunities left, so I had to make the most of this one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of similar for me because when I went to Peter Chris's final show at the cutting room, which is just down a couple, well, maybe four blocks down or five blocks um, down from Penn Station in the Madison Square Garden, he mentioned that night, you know, that we're basically in the shadow of Madison Square Garden. That got me thinking. But it was really when I was at the L.A. Forum that um, I'm sitting there going, I'm in a legendary Kiss venue here. What else is still around that I could go and see them in? Because I'm really enjoying this tour and this, these sets and the the performance, uh, you know, the show and whatnot. I was like, Detroit, there's nothing there that really has the, the historic connections. And that would be, you know, everyone's, I guess, number one pick for, you know, Detroit Rock City, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Madison Square Garden, got to do it. And basically booked right then and there but why did you decide that you wanted to go to madison square garden uh, when they do have shows in i guess your neck of the woods coming up uh yeah uh tampa is on the 11th so i'll be going to that one too um you know it's just one of those bucket list things you i've never seen kiss in you know either detroit or new york and kiss being a new york band to me madison square garden is the is the apex of of uh, of especially a New York band and, and a place that they could play at uh, all the historical shows. I think Paul said at the concert that 
This was the 15th or the 14th show they'd done uh, in their 45-year career. He said they were all sold out. I said, eh, I don't know about that one. but I, I, I'm not too <laughs> sure about that. And well, Actually, I am sure about that. It's not accurate. But you know what? He's Paul Stanley, and I'm not. So whatever mm-hmm. he wants to say, he could say. So there was that aspect. And then the other aspect was, as I said before, I'd never been there for any show. So that was another check that I wanted to make. So when they put those tickets on sale, I contacted uh, some friends that I shared a room on the cruise with. I said, do you guys want to go all together to this? And uh, two of the three of them said yes. So Nice. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's really cool. And for me, I when we first moved to America in 1978, we um, lived in New York. Uh, not the city, upstate New York, Binghamton, until uh, 1988 when I moved to Singapore. And I never saw Kiss in New York State. So it seemed like a good final opportunity to, you know, kind of kill two birds with one stone, Madison Square Garden, and see them in my former home state, a place where I became a fan of the band and have very fond memories. I mean, uh, obviously your teenage years are some of your most formative years. So it was nice to kind of, I don't think it was on my bucket list. I, I don't really do bucket list and um but it was some, something that i i felt would be a, a great opportunity especially with some of the fans that i know in new york uh, and getting to see them again and the the one thing that struck me and you know we'll, we'll get a, probably a little bit more into that was the number of international fans who also found this to be a very special show and flew in for the occasion um thought that was very cool very neat so I met all sorts of people that I've known on Facebook for a decade that all were or I aming me. Are you here? Are you here? I said, yeah, yeah, let's meet up. At least at least we'll get a picture with each other, you know, and, and it's weird. You know, you don't really know these people online. But after, you know, as technology progresses and we come, become more and more uh, ingrained in social media, it is like, you know, these people, you know, I, you know, somebody for 10 years online, you do feel like, you know, them. So I see a couple of people like, oh, yeah, and then we take we get a picture and everything. So, you know, even even uh, added that aspect into it, you know, getting to meet these people that you've known forever uh, in person. That was a cool little uh, little sidestep that made the trip worthwhile as well. And then there was the tours that we took, not just the Madison Square Garden tour, but the tour we took to the Dress to Kill Street Corner and the Loft, which was earlier on in the day we well, Julian, I didn't know you put together a little entourage of, uh, of I, folks who... I, I didn't plan on that, and that was the great thing about it. Uh, but just going back to the people component, I mean, I got to finally meet Adrian um, Love Guns, who was a moderator on the KISS FAQ for a long time. And that was fantastic, and to see Scott again, and obviously I met Nibbler which you know, I was thrilled to, to pieces by that, and a lot of other people as well. Even in, in passing, it was like I didn't ever get a chance to you know, sit down with Corey, and you know, it was just like finally bumped into each other at Stout. It's like, hey, Corey, or I walked by someone, I'm like, just shout out the name, hey, so-and-so. And like, mm-hmm. you, you have people doing double takes because these people, you have them as friends on Facebook, and you don't always – you know, get to interact with them in person. And even in a fleeting glance, it's just nice to acknowledge someone in person, even if they're left wondering who the hell was that and why. Absolutely. Who's that weird drunk guy shouting my name? Um, so, how many so th- people are coming behind you and tapping you on the shoulder that you don't at first recognize? Lots. 
mm-hmm. because I'm horrible with names and faces and because I predominantly spend my time on the FAQ, most people use handles versus Facebook and Facebook groups where most people use their real names. There's a few that use fake ones, but um, it makes it very difficult when someone comes up and says, you know, Heidi, and you're like, and Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you are and they say, Oh, I'm so and so on the message board. Okay. I'm like, what's your name? What's your first name? Yeah. Um never assume someone wants to give all their details out. And then it's like shake your hand. Well, nice to meet you, John. Um, yeah. I, I prefer that. I prefer a first name rather than a, a handle is nice, but it's not always necessary. And I do have some people who introduce themselves and say, I'm on the FAQ, but I'm not telling you who I am. Which is probably that's really, scary, yeah. No, it's probably really smart as well because you know there, there's a few folk on there who skirt very close to that precipice of being banhammered and probably don't want to, uh, you know, draw attention to themselves. But mm-hmm. but uh, but that that's cool. So let's talk about the little tour we did because we didn't really plan anything in advance. I know we had exchanged a few messages. You'd mentioned the Madison Square Garden tour, which I'm going to let you talk about all on your own because that happens later in the day, and I didn't I missed out on that unfortunately. But my day essentially started out. I came out the elevator and bumped into Andy Moyne and Kim, mm-hmm. and they were. Uh, you know, had just arrived because they'd done the the show the night before, and it was they dumped their bags in my room and off we went. It was uh, let's go kill the day. They had time to wait until check in, uh, so off we went. So we just went down to uh, had to walk down to the dress to kill corner because we were all staying at the the pen, and um, then I got texts from you. So how did your morning start out, and did you actually plan anything, or was it all pretty uh, organic? Well, uh, my friend and I, we, I definitely want to do the, the street corner and I wanted to do the loft, which we did both of those. We were going to try to squeeze in Empire State Building tour because he had never done that. I did it when I was like 12 years old. Uh, we didn't make that this time. So we decided to make this just a kiss day. You know, uh, it would have been nice, but if we had to ax one thing, Empire State Building, you can do anytime. The dress to kill corner with uh, so many friends from the Kiss Army, that you can't do every day. And then the loft. So that in and of itself was worth it. Um, that it was, in, that was insane, by the way, down at the oh, yeah. down at the street corner. I mean, walking down from, what, uh, 33rd to 25th. So, you know, that's a, about half hour walk, I think, thereabouts. But when we got down there, it was, okay, taking turns, taking pictures of everyone. Other people showed up. Uh, you know, some fans who had flown in from Argentina showed up, so took pictures of them rather than having to try and do the selfie crap. And um, Andy climbed the pole for me to stick one of my badges up on oh, uh, yeah, one that's of the right. little things in one of my little book ads up there. So that was really fun. Fun. And then obviously that I think it's that subway entrance I was told previously was where the photo booth, uh, the 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 photo session for the um, the telephone booth sequence in I think it was Cream or, or like whatever. the Superman the Clark su- Kent yeah, Superman yeah exactly was taken huh. down there I don't know whether or not that's the case but at least go down there and you get a sense of the New York subway that that uh, photo shoot was taken at so no we were and you said that was close to Bill Coin's house right with the suits because they put the suits on at his house and then walked to the street corner maybe you didn't say that but I thought someone did someone, which is why they picked yeah. that corner. 
Someone mentioned that. I don't know whether that was the case because, again, someone mentioned that in an interview, Gene said that they were driving around all day uh, in a car. So, mm-hmm. I, 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 again, it, if I had done my due diligence, I know Andy had previously done like a really big like map of New York City and all these sites and places. Then I probably would have looked into it a bit more. But, you know, we hung out there for quite a while and there were quite a few fans that came by. And that was probably really fun as well. You know, there we- was somebody from Sweden who said they're making a documentary or something. Yes. I, I, I don't recall his name, but he did add me on Facebook, too. So I apologize if I, that I forgot your name in the moment. But he's working on some sort of documentary on Kiss fans. And he won some contests uh, through Kiss Online in Sweden or Norway. One of those. Scandinavia. Sorry. Scandinavia. I'm butchering everything today, so I apologize. Uh, but uh, was there any uh, locations that you didn't get to go to that you would have if, if you had more time? If I had more time, I would have loved to have done Electric Lady Studios. Okay. Um, just because it's Electric Lady. And has far more, you know, that's where it really starts. You know, that's Paul and Gene meeting Peter mm-hmm. there. So I would have liked that's to That's where Lynn Christopher recorded her solo album. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that that would have been one place. Um, there's probably, you know, some of the other rehearsal lofts, because there were various ones. Would have minded going to Malimo's. Um, which Kiss also rehearsed at. So it's not like the, what is it, the 10 East, uh, whatever. 23rd. 10 East 23rd, thank you. Yeah. You know, is the only rehearsal loft that where Kiss, you know, practiced. Um, well, and for those wondering, uh, you try to go inside, there's a very disgruntled looking, uh, security guard sitting there. There can be because other people do go go in. It, it, you know, it's it's one of those things. You have to decide for yourself whether you're going to go in. Um, I was wearing a button-down shirt that day. I thought maybe I would, and then like I just decided, you know, when the people had come up from there and bumped into us at the Dress to Kill corner, I'm like, no, I'm not even going to try. Um, I just don't want to, for me, be disrespectful in, in any mm-hmm. way. And at least this time I was going to get a photo out front, which, I, you know, last time I was there, I did not. Um, I, I did a photo at the corner last time. So, it, you know, I didn't need to do either of those sites again, but it just seemed easy, you know, to to go to, the, well, the loft. It's like, where do you start at the end of the road kind of in New York? Then the loft. I mean, could have gone down to Chinatown and the, the, the rehearsal place there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, what about you? Are there any other places that you thought about going to see? Or, you know, Empire State Building takes a couple of hours to do. I did That's that. That's what I la- heard. Yeah. yeah. I did that the last time I was there. Um, not because of the photo shoot that was done up there, because it's the Empire State Building, um, you know, and King Kong and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's much more kind of interesting for me. And I wanted to see it as, you know, the the Empire State Building. Um, but that would have, have taken way too long. Then Andy had a really great idea about somewhere to go. But where else did you want to see? Uh, well, there were a couple ideas I had uh, that I didn't get to do. I would have liked to see where Gene lived. Gene and Flora lived. When they moved to to New York, which I think uh, on one of those Kiss uh, long form videos, confidential, Gene and Paul go back to his house and they go inside. So that would, I mean, I you know, I wouldn't want to go inside, but just to see the outside would be cool. That and then um, I even threw out there the King's Lounge where they 
where they went to see Peter play. Yeah, you mentioned that, and I said, if only I had done some research, I would <laughs> love to do a tour of the King's Lounge and the Purple Onion, the I think the Vanguard, or at least where these places were, where Peter Chris cut his teeth as a performer, as the most experienced of the originals. Um, I would love to have gone to where the tenement building, if it's still, again, I, have, I haven't done any research on these, so I don't know if they do still exist, to have gone to the building where his family lived in Brooklyn, um, you know, where he basically grew up and, mm-hmm. you know, see, see what it was like. But again, I'm not going to you know, just look up addresses and go randomly without finding what the demographic shift is like to these days, because you could end up in a pretty dodgy area. As and as a side note, too, uh, we ran into Keith LaRue uh, after the Madison Square Garden backstage tour, which we'll get to. And we showed him pictures of where we'd been earlier in the day. And he goes, oh, he goes, where is the Dress to Kill Street Corner? Because Paul actually asked me earlier if if uh, I could remember because he said he couldn't remember. So then uh, when my friend sent him a screenshot of the, the streets, he's like, oh, thanks. Paul was actually uh, wondering where that was. He couldn't remember. So, you know, just like any, you know, we, we lavish over this stuff. But somebody who lived it, it's like, wait, what? what? Where was that? You know, because I guess in their mind, they just showed up at any old street corner, took a photo and got back in the car. Yeah, yeah, and, and they don't ground to us now, but at the time it was probably jump out, take the picture, jump back in the car, and head home. Yeah, they they don't look at it the same way as when you live it. That's really a, a neat story that Paul Stanley, you know, wanted to know where it was. I, you know. That would have been an opportunity. Again, you know, I wish they'd kind of think about these things in advance because imagine Kiss showing up on that corner to do a quick photo shoot in 2019 just because they're playing New York or when they move on to Philadelphia, if they've done famous photo shoots there to show up there, you know, as they do the end of the road, that would have made a great photo book as well. For sure. Or even the loft to show back up at the loft and then get rejected by the security guard when they try to go inside. I'm, I'm pretty sure they could get their way by the security guard to do a quick, if you remember that photo from 73 that's in the stairwell, imagine them just in that stairwell, yeah. out of makeup perhaps, uh, similar to how that one was taken. I mean, that would just be, wow, that's like a like another one of those ideas. But um, talking about those sorts of places that they were too busy living, Andy had a... a a fantastic idea after we'd done the loft we kind of hung around down there for a little bit i know you guys walked down with us most of the way and then caught up with us and we were going to go get some lunch uh while we waited for check-in for andy and kim and andy's like let's go to george's or Giorgio's, and, and it took us about half an hour to figure out the real name of the place because in paul stanley's uh face the music book he gives a really great um kind of description of his personal loneliness and he says, you know, we in December 1977, we uh, had three sold out nights at the Madison Square Garden. After the shows, the other guys would go out and party. I, I didn't want to. Um, I didn't have any friends. So I, I, I pretty much ended at, ended up at Sarge's on uh, what was it 36th and 3rd um, alone eating matzo ball soup after these mm-hmm. massive shows so you know that was one of the things that when andy mentioned that and i looked it up in my book um it really struck me as something about paul and his personality and his you know some of his personal demons that he fought that here was a rock god 
getting off the stage of Madison Square Garden, his hometown, where he just wowed an audience and ending up in a little diner on his own um, with no hangers on, no nothing, just eating matzo balls at which I love. Uh, so we went. He's there. not the only one, though. I mean, there are a lot of entertainers, uh, you know, pre-Kiss and I would assume post-Kiss uh, era that are very lonely people you know they only have, they don't really have a lot of friends because the friends try to take advantage of them you know they're always afraid of that uh you know it, it being on the road and being a rock star isn't necessarily always the coolest thing in the world you know there's a lot of things that they go through that when they're not on stage isn't so great you know you got the fame and you got the the attention but it's moments like that when you know, you do feel lonely, especially when you don't have a, a inner circle, which it doesn't sound like Paul had at that time. Yep. So I thought that was brilliant. And, you know, Andy's very astute to pick up on that. And, you know, obviously we went there as a group, so we weren't alone. None of us had the matzo ball soup either. Uh, <laughs> I, I had a pastrami. I had to do that. And so is it the same? It's the same uh, restaurant then? Yeah, it's it's still okay. the same. It's uh, since 1964. So, um, cool. yeah, that, that was just kind of one of those quirky off the wall type ideas that I would never have thought of myself. Uh, well, I, speaking of 1964, too, uh, we went past the at Sullivan Theater and I took my picture in front of the doors. Which look original. I mean, they might have remade them at a later later date, but that whole outside area uh, from when the Beatles played there in '64 that also looks pretty original on the outside. So I got my picture in front of that about 11:30 at night, and right next to that is the uh, King Kong show on Broadway that just opened. So I thought that was kind of a cool, you know, a yeah. cool thing to have right next to each other. But I mean, that in and of itself is connected to history as well. The Ed Sullivan Theater with the Beatles, so. Well, absolutely, and just think of um, what that set off, you know, not, just, not just the kiss, and isn't that where Letterman was filmed at the... Uh... Letterman, yeah. So they pl they actually played there in, tw I think, 2012, was it Kiss on oh, Letterman? Oh, that's right. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that too. So nice stuff like that. So, you know, that was it for me. That's all the sightseeing I did after lunch. You know, we went back to the hotel and just hung out for a little bit while they waited for check-in and they were finally able to go to check-in so i figured i'd shut my eyes for 45 minutes before the the pre-parties and never never happened but uh you know <laughs> good intentions yeah you know just that little thing i mean that would i had walked six miles and like wow walking around new york city it was nice day actually in the mid 40s it was. so um after we left you what did you guys get up to and what other sightseeing did you do before um i guess next up would probably be in been uh the tour of madison square garden tell me about that well, yeah we uh so we go to so i had a friend who messaged me and said hey do you know they do backstage madison square garden tours would you like to do that i said yeah i mean Absolutely. You know, if I'm going to go all in on this, I might as well do that, too. So it was like thirty three bucks, which was definitely worth the price of admission. Were so you, you go were, in. Were you able to just walk up and get tickets that day or had you booked in advance? Because that was the one thing I thought, wow, I've left it too late. And uh... no, you can walk right up because they have one every 30 minutes. So I think they started 11 and they ended at three that day. So it's not really hard. You can walk right up and get a get a ticket because they have so many of them <laughs> damn okay okay so, so tell us about it well well i mean i mean you can do it still it just won't be kiss setting up in the in the garden so we go in we buy our ticket 
uh, we I think we had the two o'clock tour. This tour guide, Adam, very animated guy, you know, very into it. He knows all the history and the specs of the place. And so you go in and on the walls, they have all the memorabilia, the wrestling stuff, you know, the uh, the Muhammad Ali stuff, all the stuff that happened there. They have a timeline that starts from the 1880s from when before it was even called Madison Square Garden. It was something else. So they really know their history there. And we went up about two or three floors. And then at one point he goes, hey, do you guys want to see the stage being set up? We have Kiss playing here tonight. And I'm like, oh, I, jokingly, I'm like, oh, that's what that is. Oh, Kiss. Because there were a couple of people who were just doing the tour. They, they, they weren't coming to the show. So there's a couple of people behind us that are like, oh, are there still tickets for that? Oh, no, it's sold out. Oh, I would have went to that. You know, so it's kind of a cool, kind of a cool thing. So we go in and. We watched, the sta- we watched the stage being set up for about 25, 30 minutes. I think the guy knew that uh, we were fans, so he let us just hang out in there for as long as we wanted to. Uh, we saw the disco balls uh, going up, getting nice. set up. We saw all the – and I can post these pictures. I'm, I'm sure other people might have by now that were on the tour too. They had all the uh, projection screens that uh, were not yet assembled on the ground. But they all had the electricity in them, so they all had multicolored lights coming through, like sort of like the uh, test pattern, you know, when a uh, TV station's going on in the air. Yeah. It sort of had that on the screen. We saw Eric's kit getting set up. Um, we saw the stage. So interestingly enough, when the stage is loaded in, the entire thing uh, is moved in, I think, horizontally, and then it's turned vertically and pushed to the back of the arena. So we were trying to figure all that out too while we were while we were sitting there. So about thirty minutes go by, and the tour guide's like, "All right, well, we got to keep going." <laughs> like, okay, I guess. So we finished out the tour. Uh, there's this really cool thing that they have you do. They have you sit down and you put on this virtual reality headgear. So you put on this eyewear piece, and then you put headphones on. And mine apparently wasn't calibrated very well. Because I sit down in the chair, I put the thing on, and it starts, and all I can see are, are like, darkened faces in a crowd. So I'm like, oh, is this supposed to be right? So I turn around, and there's Billy Joel behind me playing on stage. And then there's the drummer on the side. So and I'm thinking, okay, so in order to see everything, since it's 360, in order to see everything, I need to, guess, I guess, turn around this way. So I spend the entire thing looking this way. I take the thing off, and the the guys are all looking at me, the employees, and they're like, what were you doing? I was like, well, I was trying to look at Billy Joel back there. They go, oh, your thing was backwards. I guess that one wasn't calibrated right. <laughs> so everyone else is looking the right way, and I'm the only idiot with my neck turned looking out behind me, and everyone's looking at me wondering why I'm doing that. And they realize, and they realize they're like, oh, well, I guess maybe we have to calibrate that one. Sorry about that. <laughs> Oh, that's too so my funny. neck hurt a little bit after that, but it was, it's a cool experience. Uh, most most certainly and definitely worth the $30, $32 that it costs. Even if KISS isn't setting up, it's still worth checking out. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But, I mean, that KISS was setting up. I, I had decided not to and kind of, you know, missed it thinking I'd not be able to get a ticket. And, you know, hanging out with Andy and Kim just never got around to it. Then I saw you posting pictures of they're setting up. Um <laughs> Well, you got to see the load in, though. 
Yeah, so, but that was that was at uh, eight o'clock in, or something in the morning, you know. So that was right after I got breakfast. I went walking around Madison Square Garden. Number one, I wanted a little bit of New York rush hour, um, mm-hmm. you know, just to, to get a bit more of a scent, get in the New York groove. And, you know, wanted to get pictures of the various marquees and billboards and see what was what, um, see if there are any flyers to steal or, you know, uh, stuff like that. So I walked around the whole block. You know, I was also trying to scope out the entrances and exits, because not knowing the the venue and whatnot. You get that little that's cool. badge, you know, too, that you can yeah. hang on to. Yeah. That, that's a nice thing. So... You know, they, they had, uh, they ate the eight semis, you know, parked around the block and they were taking turns, pulling them in backwards. Um, I filmed, I think I live, I up, uploaded, you know, most of the, the load, the load in that I caught, which is just parts of the stage coming out of the back of trucks, nothing tremendously exciting. The stuff I didn't film or share was them unloading the merchandise. So, um, you know, there were, big pallets of tour books and t-shirts and all the other accoutrements that they were going to be selling that night that were coming off the the trucks which were just parked on the side of the road so it was really fun to watch this kind of ballet of big rigs and Mm -hmm. you you know the the union guys are very colorful um and these like little buzzing um uh forklifts coming to the trucks and you know it, it really is a ballet of insanity um which is fun to watch not only from the loan in perspective but this part that you got to see as well which i have seen uh stages being set up before um but it's it's a real fun thing because there's so much work there's so much components so many different elements that come into play when you think of how many local crew are hired for shows how many people travel with the band in order to then people just come in and see this big stage uh, by the time the punders arrive, so mm-hmm. they they really don't ever get to appreciate the scale because it's all no. put together. Rather than the whole floor is taken up by bits and pieces as they're putting the stage together. You know, nearly every space has some container or something that is cables and everything that they're going to need. So it's absolutely fascinating to see. You get a little taste of it in some of the videos that Keith Larue has. Uh, you know kind of live streamed he did a great one from vancouver where you really get a sense of everything kind of hanging down low um but i'm jealous you got to see the disco balls going that, that's great but you i got know. some I, I got some video of that stuff i can send you oh yeah andrew andrew wants some uh, a lot of it for his whatever documentary he's working on right now yeah so just, I, just give I, it to andrew i've given him all my shoot footage. a lot of stuff b-roll stuff and when the say when i saw the stage getting set up i said okay he's gonna want some of this so i filmed as much as i could yeah, and I, interestingly enough, you know, I made sure to take some time to just walk around the venue. Uh, I think about nine thirty, ten o'clock. I was just walking around the venue, the front, the back, and there you there you see Madison Square Garden. You see the traffic going in and out of Penn Station. You see the cars going back and forth, and then you look up and there's a big sign that says "Kiss Tonight Sold Out." Yep. And you know, you feel like you're in a movie. I felt like I was watching a movie about kiss that's what i thought i was like i was on the street corner filming that corner which was uh i think seventh and uh no it would have been eighth pardon me eighth and 33rd so you could see three banners three of the electronic marquees with kiss sold out tonight i'm just sitting there filming it as cars are going by pedestrians just sitting there holding the camera up and I find myself like I'm in Kiss Meets the Phantom, just saying Kiss yep. tonight, tonight, tonight. Um, complete but geek. That's part of the package, though, especially on 
a concert or a show like that, uh, such a legendary show, you want to have it be an all-day thing. You want to immerse yourself in the experience of the venue and the city and the history. And I can't imagine a better day to do the location tour that we did than the day they did their last show at uh, Madison Square Garden. So maybe we should jump into the the show itself. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, just yeah. quickly, though, before the show, oh, I, I headed over to both of the pre-parties, um, and there were a few pre-parties planned. Um, the first one that started first was over at Twins, organized mm-hmm. by Joe D'Angelo. Um, and my plan was always to go have a few drinks at that one, have my dinner there, because he had a food spread put on and hang with people there, and it was fantastic. Irish pub. Love them to death, Irish pubs. Mm-hmm. I'm English. Uh, love those places. Um, met quite a few people that I knew there, which is really nice. Thomas, um, Scott, a few others. Um, and got my dinner, which was with – I didn't want to be buying food at Madison Square Garden, and I didn't want to eat at Stout having eaten there the night before and thinking it was disgusting. Um, so hung there for a little bit, had Kiss tunes going. Very, very busy, very packed. Good job, Joe. Thanks for the goodie bag. You know, great stuff, good value for money. We'd do it again. Um, Then headed over to Stout. That was where Andy was doing his event. Um, And let's just say, one had a buffet, the other was insane. Uh, Over (laughs) at Stout, it was nuts. It was basically people hanging off the rafters packed uh which obviously a couple hours have gone by so we're getting very close to showtime people are getting out of work and i didn't find andy for quite a long time down there uh, i didn't know there was a downstairs until i'd been in line for the restrooms for half an hour and, and uh, one of the staff said well you know there's another restroom downstairs i'm like what downstairs well that's actually where everything <laughs> was going on with andy's guys and his uh his lunacy so yeah. we had been upstairs that's where i met you know adrian scott and nibbler and all that and Diego Brinster was done and then shots of Jameson were done and then I found Andy met some folks downstairs and headed off to the show and I tried to shoot some footage of you know just walking over to Madison Square Garden but obviously after about six beers and several shots the camera <laughs> the camera's being held the wrong way and all that so let's get to the show you lead right. off uh did you get there in time for David Garibaldi we did. We got there, I want to say, an hour before he came on. Um, we sat down. I just, I, again, I just wanted to immerse myself in the experience, just sitting there with the music playing and everything. I was a little disappointed, you know, Kiss had hinted at perhaps special guests or perhaps a change of the set list or there was nothing confirmed. But at the same time, you're thinking, okay, well, if they're going to do anything special, it's going to be here. Uh, obviously I figured at this point, Ace wouldn't be there. Peter probably wouldn't be there. Our best guess was Bruce might jump up on stage for something that didn't happen. Uh, I was even thinking, you know, how would they incorporate New York groove into this show? Obviously they're not going to play it because they're not going to have Tommy sing that. That's sacrilege (laughs) at this point. Solo album tune. Uh, I thought maybe they could play the song before, the Zeppelin song that's before the show starts or maybe after the show's over instead of God gave a rock and roll to you. I was wrong on both of those as well. Uh, but it was a fantastic show. Uh, the, the painter was, you know, it is what it is. And my friend actually said something to the effect of, I'm happy it's a painter and not a band because I wouldn't want to have to sit, uh, through the teardown of the opening act. 
before Kiss comes on. So I guess when you think of it that way, it was it was quick. It was one and done. He did three pieces. He finished the Kiss one, and then within I think ten minutes, the Kiss show had started. Yeah, here's here's so. the positive thing about David Garibaldi and the art show. For the wise guys in the audience, at least he brought his own drop cloth. <laughs> for sure but you know it, it, it was it was over in a flash and this was the first time that i actually got to sit down and enjoy and let me say that in bold enjoy david garibaldi i had missed him in vancouver because i was doing the uh the meet and greet or the, mm-hmm. meet, or the meatless greet as it should be called um and then at the other shows i'd been hanging out with friends beforehand and had just never gotten down there though we heard the music and knew he was painting so mm-hmm. i i thought it was a blast i thought he was very entertaining i i don't know if i'd say the same thing if i'd seen him all four times that i've seen the show but certainly for the one time he was very energetic performance art is performance art so he he did a you know very active you know played the mic you know tried to get people into it did you know? And I only remember him doing Bruce Springsteen and then painting the the band picture. I don't remember. He did uh, Ozzy. Did he? Uh, so yeah, that was the first. He did Ozzy, Springsteen, and then Kiss. I thought he was gonna do John Lennon because I, I guess he does it from city to city. He he selects people that are, you know, iconic to that particular city. So I thought John Lennon might be in there too, but uh, maybe next time. Yeah, Bruce was fantastic, and I, I'm not a big fan of Bruce, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought he did a great job. I, I liked the way he did the art, and then it's over quickly. And, of course, if you were there an hour early, then you probably saw the commercial for the cruise. A couple times, yeah, a few uh, times. Is it played on loop? Yeah, they played that, I want to say, probably once every ten minutes. Okay. So I saw it a good five or six times. Mm. Yeah, that was what some people were saying, that, oh, they opened with, you know, the the Kiss Cruise. And from what I hear, they've played that at other shows where, you know, Garibaldi's there. So it's not really an opening act. It's just, come on, it's Kiss. They're, mm-hmm. They've got a cruise to sell. So, of course, they're going to advertise it. And when you've got a captive audience of people in their seats, they're going to do it. But it's not in lieu of some sort of opening act and shouldn't be considered or perceived as an opening act. It's just a commercial. Come on, it's Kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool. Uh, merch. What did you buy? Uh, you know, I got the shirt. Uh, I've told myself I wasn't going to spend $50 on a T-shirt. But then once you're in there and you're in front of the merch booth. It's like, I got to buy something. Uh, I'm going to get the tour book in Tampa because I have a car there, so I can load that in easily. There won't be any damage. I was worried about getting a tour book. Unless it was an exclusive tour book, then I probably would have gotten it. Um, I got a shirt, and that was really it. I should have got the poster, but I didn't because I was afraid of of shipping it back. And uh, to my dismay, I should have got the poster instead of the shirt. But I just got a shirt. How about you? Yeah, I, obviously I got the, the special show poster. And what was really cool with those um, is that if you just did a single roll, it fit nicely in the Madison Square Garden bags that they provided, oh, which they then gave me a second one to double up on top so it was watertight. Because cool. after all my other shows, everything I had with me got soaked by people's beers for some reason. I had no idea. And not my own because I don't take beer down on the floor. Um or it doesn't last long enough to spill. Let's put it that way. Uh, got picked up three tour books. Had to get two for friends out here because uh, of the new versions. A pair of Eric Singer drumsticks for a friend, um, and then just the 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 event, the regular event shirt, not the special Madison Square Garden one. So I'll wait for that to arrive from uh, from. 
Kiss Online. But, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, the Madison Square Garden bags were supersized. They had the mm-hmm. clear bags, the clear Kiss logo bags at this one, which... Uh, I got this right here, in fact. Yep. Yeah. You know, I didn't save my black ones from Vancouver because I packaged up stuff to send out to... I got my... My confetti and my streamers and everything. I finally got the streamer this time. I remembered. I got a balloon as well. The problem was, yeah, I caught it. I popped uh, like a a loose fingernail. Um, It exploded, and it was just one of the big silver ones. It didn't have a Kiss logo or icon or anything on it, so I was completely bummed by that, but I'm like, oh, I at least caught one. It's still one from Madison Square Garden. The guy in front of me caught three fucking balloons and about five picks throughout the show. I'm like... Wow, you know, I was more impressed than jealous because I don't need any picks. I've got them all. Um, Were the picks uh, for that venue too, or are they just the standard picks they, for the? Show? They look like the standard ones that you can okay. buy on Kiss Online. So the you know, I'm shocked at this point that they don't have for every single show. They don't print new picks. They don't print new because it's just there's somebody out there that's going to want to have every single one of those things. Yeah. Exclusive tour, even if the tour books were all the same tour books, but they slapped the big sticker on with the venue name and the date on it. You know, there'd be someone that wants to has to buy every single one of those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but labor costs of someone paying someone to stick stickers on and Guess so. logistics. Yeah, it, it would be in some ways it'd be nice. In others, I'm like, no, I spent 285 at the merch stand. And <laughs> I, That's enough. You know, I, I, yeah, I'll get some of the money back from the stuff I picked up for friends. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just like I, I don't need to spend more. So let's talk about the show. So um, Garibaldi ends and we get some more, you know, music. And then, you know, once Led Zeppelin's the cue song to get in your seat, uh, rock and roll, obviously, it starts. Had you watched a lot of footage before going to the show, or had you kind of minimized it so that it was as much of an experience? And where were your seats? My seats were upper level, uh, a little towards the back, a little to the right. So I wasn't as close as you or many others, but you know, in a venue like that, I sort of accepted that, and I said, okay, well, I've been on the cruise where I've been front row. I got to take guitar picks off of Gene's bass as he puts the axe base in front of me i get to put i got to put my hand on his boot you know so i've experienced front row on the cruise so for this one i'd like to experience it from the back seeing the crowd seeing the entire production you know like a like a cinerama presentation because when those bombs and those flames go off they have them shooting outwards so the stage is like this and then the fire shoots out so it looks like the stage is like panoramic yeah you know, it's like the biggest stage I've ever seen. So I sort of said, okay, well, that's how I want to see this show. I'm not going to take a lot of video. I'm not going to try to take a lot of pictures because there's a million other people doing that. I'm not going to try to watch the screens. You know, I'm going to just try to watch the band. And that's what I did for the most part. I, I, I took a couple, of course, when he blows fire and the end, I took some video. But I'm really happy with the experience because I got to immerse myself in a show like somebody would have in 1977 before you filmed everything and you looked at everything from such a detailed perspective. I just got to see a great kiss show and it was a great kiss show.
Well, you fully got to witness the whole production being back mm-hmm. there. And I've said it before on, you know, numerous shows that we've done talking about this, that, you know, as long as you're not so high up that the, the lighting trust stuff and all of that interferes and blocks your view and you've got an obstructive view, even if you are far back, you're still getting to see a lot of the elements of the show that I'm still only just noticing because at all four shows, I've been within the first eight rows uh, on the floor. So mm-hmm. I'm discovering new things every time I'm at a show. So these these past two I've been on Gene's side about the same. I, I think I was fifth row um, for this. But you know this this was again uh, com- compared to where was where was my last show? That would have been L.A. L.A. I had a kid on a seat standing on it in front of me, blocking. Yeah. It. So I had an obstructed view, um, and he was a teenager, like 14, shouldn't be standing on seats. So this time I actually got to see everything because the jackass was behind me, the drunk guy. Um, so it didn't interfere with being able to watch the show. And I'm just so impressed by the production. I've seen it. What this is again, fourth time, and I'm not bored. It's the same no. set list. Um, no, it's not the same because uh, I said this the other day as well. I can't get it straight in my head. This has calling Dr. Love now, and there's been a couple of things jiggled around in order. But predominantly, it's the same set list, and I'm not bored of it in the slightest. And that's something that I find surprising. I'm not even hypercritical of the songs that they've chosen to perform. What did you think about the set list, and you know, what were the strengths for you? Uh, the strengths... I think the whole show, uh, there was never a dull moment for me. There was never a song that I thought they could have dropped. I guess they could have dropped Say Yeah to add in an- another classic era tune. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, so the Tommy Eric era needs to be rep- represented in some way. And, you know, Say Yeah is a good tune. It would be For me, it would either be that or Modern Day Delilah. I think... Uh, Modern Day Delilah, I would have chosen over Say Yeah, but, you know, at that point, it's just nitpicking. Uh, The whole show was fantastic from beginning to end, and, you know, what I did appreciate was Paul tried, Paul, for the most part, kept the stage raps to a minimum and just kept, you know, charging through from song to song to song. Uh, I don't know. There's just so much. The The whole thing was just a whirlwind experience. You know, and from the beginning, from Detroit Rock City to Rock and Roll All Night with the Motley Crew, you know, <laughs> ripped off armbands or whatever it is. What do they call those cranes? Yeah, crane arms. Cranes. Uh, it was just as a package. It was an entire experience. You know, it was the Kiss experience wrapped into a, a two-hour show. It's everything it's, that you that you want to see in a Kiss show was there. Oh, and Beth with with Eric Singer. I mean, I love that. Has there been a better way to present that song since Peter came out and did it in the seventies? You know, yeah. They finally brought that song to a new level, yeah. doing the Paul Lind inspired uh, piano bit. That's that's the part that saddens me the most, though. You know, that it's Eric Singer finally taking it to the level that it would have been perfect for Peter. Um, but it is what it is. And he, you know, it's an entertaining part of the set. And I like how it's, you know, I like how it comes out of the floor. It's workmanlike, you know, it's an assembly line kiss show that it just, you press start and it's gone. It's going to the end. There's not a dull moment. Um, say, yeah, I, I like how it's in the set. I enjoy mm-hmm. it. My only thing is, and I like your perspective on this after, afterwards, 
the audience did not seem as into this show as I would have expected a Madison Square Garden audience to be. And I've seen other people comment on that as well. I felt the crowd in Vancouver, the reserved mm-hmm. Canadians, were wild, more wild animals than the New Yorkers, L.A., was way off the hook in terms of audience. And I just wish that, I know we don't want Paul talking a lot, but I wish he'd take a section where he really works that crowd and gets them shouting because they, mm-hmm. mime doesn't do it. That There's no energy in that. I wish he'd say yes, yeah, the perfect opportunity to make that audience scream say yeah you know it's two words or get them them really participating get their energy and blood you know their blood pressure up a little bit because you know some sometimes it feels like part of the audience is on live support from where you were sitting what did the audience strike you as being like was it was i i sort of agree uh you know you're talking about the kid standing up on his seat earlier and that was actually something that I was thinking about during the show because in my heart for that show, I would have liked to have been standing to watch the whole thing because sitting down, you're, you're kind of cramped and, and everything. But I'm thinking there's all these people behind me that would be pissed off. So what is the what's the etiquette for when you're at a kiss show and there's a bunch of people sitting down behind you? Because I had that back in 2013. We saw them in Orlando. All my friends that I brought with me who had never seen a Kiss show, they were all standing up. They were really into it, and that made me really happy. But then you got people behind us telling you to sit down, sit down, sit down. They're getting agitated. So, you know, I don't want to necessarily be sitting the whole time like I'm at a Broadway show or watching a movie. But there is that, you know, courtesy, whereas you don't want to block people that are sitting down behind you either. So maybe it was a little bit of that uh, at the same time. Maybe these days it's because everybody films everything that they don't want to really get into it and and throw their hands up in the air. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I was into it. I, I, I'm I not even stand, allowed but... to sing at shows. I've got a recorder going. <laughs> I can't, can barely open my mouth. I'm I'm the one lip syncing at a Kiss concert because I'm singing along, but ain't nothing coming out of my mouth. <laughs> so a couple of things I wrote down for this show uh, that I noticed. So. Gene and Paul were like brothers up there. Their synergy was on fire. They were having a great time. Uh, a specific moment at the end of Shout It Out Loud, Gene's posing. Paul walks over to him, puts his arm up on his armor, looks at one side of the audience. Gene does a big, big motion, looks at the other side of the audience. Gene does a big motion. It's something I hadn't seen him do at any other show yet. I love it when and Gene it just, does, he does his King Kong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The King Kong thing. And it was just there were so many moments like that where they they come together and they're just absorbing the energy of this show. Uh, Number two, Eric Singer. Eric played like it was a live three. Revenge era. I don't know if that's how he's playing on every show or it's just that particular show. But the thing is about Eric is I know we all feel over the past few years he's Pulled back a little bit, maybe trying to play more in the style of Peter on a couple tours. This one, it was full-blown Eric Singer. Agreed. And for his solo, and again, I don't know, I haven't watched a lot of clips until I saw this show, so I I don't know if he's doing this at every show. The thing where he was playing uh, with his feet and then wiping his arms down, 
is that a bit or was that something that was unique to that show? Because I I didn't know. I've noticed it at other shows, so I, I think it's oh, okay. I, I think it's a bit. He's just it's, it's cool. It, I like it. It's it's act. It's more into the into the show, you know. So you know. And it wasn't a boring drum solo, you know how that gets critiqued. The drum no, solo. It's it's basically Peter Chris's play. drum solo, but mm-hmm. P- Peter Chris's drum solo infused with Eric Singer. So the thing with Gene. Uh, always looking at his nails when he's playing, like he's bored or like this is so easy for him. That's something new I haven't seen. And then Gene gets a real bass solo, not the blood, not the blood spitting solo, but Gene actually got to play a bass solo. And to me, that's sort of a a screw you to the people that say he can't really play. To me, that's how I felt about it because oh, that's the bass solo Gene plays is a joke. Well, yeah, well that's part of the show. Gene can actually play bass. And I think it was cool that Gene actually got a real bass solo that I think is much better than the one he did on Animal Eyes Uncensored. <laughs> With, without sure. a doubt, he's got some intricate little bass, uh, you know, runs in that solo. You know, it, it, it's not very long, but it's enough to say, yeah, I can actually play this. I'm not I, a, it's not just Harry Gorilla, Beat of Potatoes playing. That suited the songs, but I, he... You know, he has developed. He, ha- he has skill. You know, I love mm-hmm. it. I, you know, again, it's, it's a nice little part where every single one of these guys as musicians gets to show off. Paul still gets to do his bits. Tommy gets to do his. Again, um, both Tommy and Eric's are very much modeled on the roles that they play, their predecessors. But they're infused with enough of their own character and style to I agree. make it, you know, acceptable to me. Because, again, I'm... Maybe I'm trying to be a uh, sunny side of the street guy here and say that I see all these things that they do as a homage to those who came before them, who invented it. I don't see it as an insult to Peter Chris. I don't see it as an, an insult, Ace Freely, what they do. They're there. And it it's just, you know, I, I love Tommy's solo, you know, and how he does it. Yeah, it's got the rockets. But come on, he's they're not doing they're not doing a smoking guitar. So it's it's fair enough in terms of those elements belonging to a Kiss show for me. Paul looked like he was running on a treadmill the whole show. He was moving all the time, every single song. It was, to me, quintessential Paul Stanley. Absolutely, for sure. He smiles a lot. Yeah, did you know, Well, you were probably a bit far away to notice that. But I, I see looks on his face that um, he's either a very good actor or he's actually enjoying being up there on this tour. And I hope that's the case. Um, it, it's irrelevant because if he looks happy to me, it, I, I don't really mind. Uh, but mm-hmm. I hope for his sake that he is enjoying it and the, the, those expressions of joy. The guy is so super fucking fit. It makes me sick. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, feel, I, I feel like I should be doing penance right now because his energy level. The, the people who say that these guys aren't moving around as, on stage are liars. They're not moving around as much as they did in 1975, and there's no way that they can at their age. But they are moving around. They're mm-hmm. showing um, energy and commitment to their performance in other ways. It manifests them- itself differently now. But Paul's moving. He's not going to do splits. He's not going to sit down on the edge of the stage necessarily. He's not going to do any of those things that he once did because he's 67 years old. But he still... S- He's still so fit and moving around and really working that you can see the sweat. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm impressed and thankful and, you know, bless him. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's just, I think they knew that, well, and, and number two, I was wondering if they were going to film this for a official DVD because what would be cooler than having Kiss at Masses Square Garden on Blu-ray? If they were ever going to do a, a final Kiss show for official release, if it wasn't that, I don't know what else it would be. Yeah. But then I'm thinking, I don't know if Madison Square Garden takes a cut of the, of the money. So then that's why that probably won't happen. But yeah. I'm sure a, I'm sure a good uh, pro shot or I'm sure a good fan multicam will pop up here pretty soon from that show. I, I hope so from that show in particular. And if Vancouver remains the best because of the front row footage that was shot, at least we got our Blu-ray multicam from this tour i would mm-hmm. rather be able to pay kiss the money that the songwriters and performers are due but if they're not willing to you can't make them these days and i'm not going to have any guilt whatsoever about owning that blu-ray multicam unofficial and yeah i won't have any problems buying official if if they do deem to to uh release it you know that's that's their choice it would just be an awful shame not to get this captured in high quality 4K resolution to have these explosions and the pyro, um, the whistler rockets and all of the effects, the solo spots. And, it, you know, they've got great lighting. Mm-hmm. It, all the effects, it's not just from fire and flame and explosion. It's lighting that perfectly accompanies the music and the mood. It's um, dry ice and fog and steam coming up from the floor. You know, there's so many. It, it's being covered from every angle that it, it has to be captured. When the band first started, I used to drive a cab around New York. One night, I was driving my cab, and two people got in, and they said, We want to go to Madison Square Garden to see Elvis Presley. Now, I drove up right up to the front, and I swear to God, I said to myself, one day soon, people are going to come here to see me. like to be there. One, two, three! 
there? If you can be just a little bit louder, I'll come out there. If you can't, it's cool. We'll stay up here and we'll play. Bring it, bro. All right, catch your breath. Take a deep breath. Let's try one more time. Speaking of the lighting, there was a moment I thought was really, really cool that I even said, wow, I think it's right before Black Diamond, Eric counts into Black Diamond, that they all are standing in a, spe a specific spot and their solo album colors are all shining down on them. I'm like, damn, I wish I would have gotten a picture of that. I mean, I'm sure somebody has, but it was perfect. It was pretty. And I'm, I'm sure that's, you know, where they go each show now for that particular spot at that particular moment. But that was a really, really cool shot. Eric's got green illuminating yeah. him. Gene's got red. Tommy's got blue. And uh, Paul has purple. But it's just it, – and even that, just a throwback to the 78 solo albums. I saw so a picture a little of that bit the other day. And yeah. I had never noticed that in concert because maybe I'm too close. And that's, again, maybe one of the benefits that you got being further away, being able to see the whole stage is, you know, wow, who would have thought you get to – you don't – you may be up close, but you don't get all the benefits, or maybe I'm just not attentive. Maybe I had the camera up to my face at that time. But that's really neat. I didn't notice that until a few days ago when someone posted a picture asking about that. So that's a very good observation. Gene's bass solo, uh, awesome. You know, with all the faces, and there's a moment that, of course, because I, I had seen a couple clips here or there, but I didn't want to spoil the whole show for myself. So I think one of the things I didn't see was Gene's bass solo. At one point... Gene lets out a T-Rex roar from Jurassic Park. It's the Jurassic Park Tyrannosaurus Rex sound effect. I thought that was badass. That was cool. So, And that's one of those little extras that, you know, could be said, oh, you know, well, it's not really live, or Paul's lip-syncing, or this, that, and the other. Enhanced elements like that, where the demon actually roars like a T-Rex, that's pretty cool. I'll take that. You know, the lip-sync stuff, or the is he or isn't he, you know, that's up for debate. But those little moments where you can make Gene into the demon or, or a dinosaur, you know, that's something I'm surprised they didn't think of a long time ago. And I actually wonder whose idea that was to throw that in there because that was a really nice touch. It would have been cooler if it was Godzilla's roar, but then he might come <laughs> into copyright uh, issues with Toho, and I don't think he wants to deal with that. So I'll take the T-Rex roar. Oh, that's too funny. I haven't noticed <laughs> that either. So... Great show, amazing venue, wonderful experience. It is all I can say is I sat on the plane the next day flying home. I was listening back to the show, and just every moment is just a wonderful memory. I, you know, I'm I'm now like, well, I'm not going to see the band again until September. Mm -hmm. Drat. So you've got Tampa coming up next. Uh, any other shows, or will that be your pair? Uh, that will be my pair. I think they have another Florida show in August that they just added. 
So I'm thinking maybe they'll do Orlando on that second run. Uh, or, you know, there's an arena that's here uh, ca- called uh, Germain Arena, although I think the name's changed now. That was my very first KISS show back in 2000, April 9th, 2000, at uh, Germain Arena. So, And they haven't played that venue in 20 years, and I think that show would sell out. You know, I think it's a 13,000-seater. I think, you know, this area is a little underappreciated, I think, by the uh, promoters when it comes to KISS. I think they do very well in uh, southwest Florida, and it's just a shame they haven't done a show here in 20 years. But if I have to drive to Orlando, if they do one of those in August, I probably would. I'll probably see as many shows on this tour as I can, just because... And I know, you know, it's going to continue. We're going to have the cruises still. You know, Kiss is going to do a one-off show here or there past the end of the road. But as a full-blown tour, I'll try to see as many of these as I can to uh, absorb the experience. But nothing's going to top Madison Square Garden. And so if if you were there, you were a part of Kiss for sure. Yeah, and if you weren't, you're a part of history. Any show that you go to, because mm-hmm. it may not, the venue may not be as historic or as historic as Madison Square Garden. But you know, I, I think what I'm going to get out of the rest of the shows that I go to, and I'll probably go to more than just the one, because I just am addicted to this, is the people part. And again, it, it's just so much fun, so wonderful getting with people and meeting new people at these events and getting to swap stories and maybe next time i'll take a recorder with me i was planning on doing an episode there but uh, in the end i just couldn't be bothered too much work too much effort got in the, i agree got in the way and you, you want to yeah you want to absorb everything not spend the whole day worrying about technical this that and the other so yeah, they're doing the, they're doing a documentary anyway, so let them do all the work. So, mm-hmm. any any final thoughts before we call it a call it a show? Uh, final thoughts. Well, definitely worth the trip. Something I'll always remember. Um, you know, if you have a chance to see Kiss on this tour, go for it. You know, just ignore all the noise. Go enjoy two hours of the hottest band in the land because you know it's not going to be around forever. Yep. And I think someday the people that don't go because they're letting themselves be, you know, controlled by all the, the little minor details and the the BS, I think someday they'll look back and think, oh, you know, I should have went to that show when there isn't a kiss anymore. There isn't a kiss show that you can experience. So if they come to your city, go. Don't you won't regret it. I agree. Listen to your heart. Have no regrets. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you're the sort of person who just isn't going to go. Don't go, you know, mm-hmm. because no, no one wants a killjoy there either if you're not enjoying it. You know, so bring positive energy, bring, you know, celebration and, you know, bring a bit of applause for these guys as they approach their finish line. That's just the way I look at it. You know, take it or leave it. Let's mm-hmm. leave it there for now. Nigel, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, like Julian. Podcast. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, we'd love to hear your opinions about, you know, not only the Madison Square Garden, but... Uh, the shows that you've uh, spoken about or we've spoken about today, the places that we visited, you know, where should we have gone? You know, do you have any spots that are nearby? You know, that would be probably a, a next good mission to start getting a, an encyclopedia of KISS places. I know Brett Wise did an encyclopedia on KISS, but maybe an illustrated guide. Maybe KISS would think about recreating some of those old pictures with uh, modern ones. All That'd right. be great. You never know. 
This band will continue to surprise us, no doubt. Anyway, that's it for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.